Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Hi, it's Jeff Rabes here. I'm the Managing Director of Tesoro Resources. Uh, Tesoro is a Chilean-focused gold developer. Uh, we've got a gold asset in the Atacama region of Chile, uh, which we're currently drilling out and looking for a maiden resource estimate uh, coming up um, very soon and pushing our project through its next phase of development. Thanks, Jeff. How are you, sir? I'm um, very well, thank you. Yourself? All good here. Summer, summer's on its way, I'm told. Um, but I wanted to speak to you. I saw some uh, drills outside, so I think that's really good. But I also saw the market had not reacted particularly uh, positively. So it was like, kind of like a meh moment. I wanted to understand why. What's happening? Um, well, good good question. I'm not sure. I don't get to control the market, unfortunately. I can. We can only keep doing what we're doing, producing positive drill results, continue to grow our deposit. Uh, you know, things are going... Um, pretty well on track and on schedule. Our guys are busily drilling away and we're in the background preparing everything for a maiden resource estimate. Um, and as I said, unfortunately, we can't control things outside of the company and the market. But look, I think there's probably on the flip side of that, it makes Tesoro pretty good value buying, I think, based on what we've got on our hands and you know the trajectory that we've set ourselves on. There's a little bit of talk about Chilean politics at the moment, because you you kind of got a couple of things happening. You've got um, some basic basically primaries in July, right, next month. You've also got the federal elections in November. I think people are a bit nervous about some of the statements coming out of some of the politicians at the moment. Would that be right? Uh, yeah, it's, look, it's an unusual political environment for sure. Uh, at the moment in Chile, there's you know, those general elections are coming up in November. Um, but at, in the same time, there's been a recent uh, election of the Constitutional Congress, which is going to debate and try to reform the existing Chilean constitution. So I think that's a good thing. It's going to probably change the way that the parliament operates and how people are elected. We don't see any other major changes really on that agenda and, and what that uh, Congress has been mandated for, and look, uh, general elections are normally fairly tightly contested in Chile between, you know, your, your typical right side of politics and, and the more uh, left-leaning side of politics. So, look, just a wait and see for us. We don't expect the landscape to change massively uh, in regards to what we're doing and um, foreign investment and developing gold projects. I mean, people look back to 2019 rising in the streets, the youth were disenfranchised, it felt, you know, and people looking into Chile might have been slightly nervous that, you know, this this was going to be destructive of the, it's a very sort of institutional country and rule of law is very important to them, but, but that kind of sent a few shockwaves through uh, the markets at the time. Um, do you think we're returning back to something like that? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that was, I suppose, the... Uh, the symptom of, uh, you know, deeper underlying issues within the Chilean, uh, electorate and, and, and population. You know, let's not forget that I suppose at heart, Chile is still probably a, a, a socialist leaning type country. It's got a, a large working class and so on. So, uh, what we saw back in those 
in uh, 2018 was, um, you know, a, a reaction to ongoing tensions, I suppose, of not being heard and this, this disgruntlement where there's a larger gap emerging between, uh, I guess, the upper class and, and everybody else. And a lot of that's to do with the way parl parliamentarians are elected to, to, um, to govern the country and uh, then how they actually do govern the country on both sides of politics. So the impetus or the result of that, if you like, is probably this constitutional reform that was proposed and, and is now in train. So I think, uh, um, you know, looking at the results of that, a, a majority of the Chilean population tend to agree that a constitutional reform is a good thing and to be a progressive democratic society. But the thing, the thing that people are reacting to in the investment community, so when it comes to natural resources, some of the proposed tax hikes on copper companies. It's a big copper producing uh, country. And what the implications could be for gold companies further down the line. Yeah, look, we're not that concerned around any of that kind of stuff. A lot of that is political um, posturing and so on. So. You know, we expect that there's going to be some change and uh, a small change in increase in tax is probably on the table. It'll, whatever's proposed and whatever's reported in the media is likely to get heavily watered down. Um, and it's not dissimilar to what's going on in Australia right now, particularly Western Australia with a booming iron ore price and our local state government here making noises around the fact that they'd like a bit more of that pie, if you like. So... I think ultimately what we'll see at the end of the day for, for the copper uh, industry in Chile is that the industry was likely to get taxed more in line with other jurisdictions around the world. Obviously, they're coming up a pretty low base at the moment. Um, how that impacts the gold industry. Um, look, there's no impact in, in, uh, in the near future for us, but for any gold production out of Chile, um, that's certainly not on the agenda as far as we know. What's interesting, actually, since we spoke, and I spoke to a couple of other Chilean companies, I wanted to find out for ourselves, rather than listen to you see, you guys have got to talk a certain rhetoric, right? We spoke to a Chilean ambassador, a Chilean uh, natural resources lawyer, journalist, politician, and in fact, even the president of the Mining Association in Chile. It might be a little bit biased, um, but <laughs> maybe. But with regards to these ta proposed tax hikes, it, it, I think they all put it down to political posturing during sort of election season, as it were. So that was kind of interesting that to, to a man and to a woman, they were kind of quite uniform in the way that they, they viewed this. Um, and the reason we wanted to dig a little bit deeper, because we've seen this uh, we, with election season in Ecuador and Peru, um, sort of in Mexico to a degree, we've seen in Argentina to a degree. So it, it, it's always the same patterns that's followed, and then eventually things re return back to the way they were, or, or nearly the way that way they were. So it kind of gave us some confidence about investing in Chile. Um, that once we get through the political season here, uh, things will be back to norm. But your ability to do business between now and getting the elections over, which is going to be November, and then the transition, which will happen in the, you know, in the, in the in Q1 next year. Have you got enough money to do what you're doing? Have any barriers been put in front of you that uh, are going to slow you down? Uh, 
yes, we have got plenty of money to do what we want to do. So, you know, as I said, we're, we're on that course to a maiden resource estimate out of Tanera on the deposit of Alzora that we're drilling. Uh, we would say that is a stepping stone to a to greater resource growth, which we'd expect to see later in the year. So we're funded to do all of that drilling and that expansion work, and would you know from what we're saying, we'd expect a considerable uh, upgrade in the resource size towards the end of the year, and also funded to to do a scoping study over the project at some time this year. Um, in terms of barriers to operating. Um, the only barriers that we see from time to time that our guys are doing very well at managing at the moment is um, COVID. So, and that's usually to do with uh, supply chain and logistics type issues um, due to restrictions in movement of people and and, and goods. So, uh, outside of that, um, it's business as usual for us. We, we don't have any impediment to what we want to do. Okay, so you got you got the money, no impediments, and so we better talk about these drill drill results then um, that we've been looking at. I mean, you, you put out all the drill results in the last press release, but the, there's a few that kind of stuck out for you. Was it sort of what you were expecting to see? Yeah, I suppose what we're starting to see, particularly with um, you know, we're making reference to it in our announcements now, and I think last time we spoke, we've done we've done a lot of work, but we're making a lot of reference in our announcements now around the controlling north-south fault systems. Um, so what we're obviously doing in preparation for the maiden resource estimate is modelling those. Um, we've got a iterative grade model of the deposit, if you like, so we kind of can see where things are heading. And those north-south faults are really starting to come together. And when the guys are targeting those to, to drill them, we're seeing these, particularly in that southern portion of the deposit, um, some really high-grade hits coming out of those. So, um, you know, we're, we're seeing assays greater than 30 grams a tonne coming out of uh, one or two metres of core and then around that uh, a larger, wider halo of um, sort of anywhere from one to, say, four or five grams. So uh, that's starting to become a, a quite a, um, a consistent feature that we're seeing through those fault zones. Uh, we've drilled three of those fault zones quite well so far and we've got another one that um, we've just put a few holes into but it's starting to come together quite nicely as well and we'd see those fault zones as, I guess, forming a good basis for a bulk of the ounces in the deposit um, and certainly offering a good opportunity from a mining perspective to, to kick off on some, you know, high-grade material uh, straight away. You know, they're at surface and uh, we've drilled them right down to 400 metres depth. So um, the more we drill those, the, the better they're hanging together. So that's been the focus, and I expect that, you know, a majority of the ounces that are poured into a maiden resource estimate would come out of those fault zones. Well, actually, um, could you show us? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so I've pulled up a map here, which is of the Tanera deposit, and you can see the dark red uh zones in here to running north-south, they sit around those north-south fault zones. So you can see in here, we've actually peppered this one pretty heavily with drilling, seeing some really nice results out of there, you know, typical sort of material we're seeing out of it, you know, 27 and a half metres at 3.57 through that fault zone. Um, we've picked up another one to the west here and a, a new one to the east. Uh, so we've drilled these three reasonably well, starting to do a bit more drilling on this eastern one. 
you can see that they're sort of forming high-grade cores, if you like, within the deposit, and they sit in a, a sea of lower-grade material, which is in the main uh, host rock. So uh, these are all open along strike to the south and to the north, and, you know, as I said, they're forming the basis of what we think is going to be a um, fairly healthy uh, starting zone for for uh, open pit mining operation here. So that's been the focus is to get a lot of drilling into those as quickly as possible. Um, and, you know, you can see the drilling distribution on those dots on this map. Uh, there's a lot of holes out in the south here, which are very widely spaced, but they've all got gold in them. So we've got a lot of work to do between now and the end of the year as well to continue to infill and build that resource inventory as the year goes on. These are, these are big, big wets with these kind of, I say, high grade elements running through. Is that sort of typical of the region or, or, or Chile? Well, the deposit itself is completely unusual for the region. So we're sitting in what's typically a copper IACG style region. And I suppose, you know, when we found this, we were looking outside the square a bit and on what other styles of deposit could exist and uh, did a lot of work on, I guess, the, the, the region and came across El Zorro. Uh, and in this style of deposit, it's not unusual to have big, wide widths like this. Um, but ultimately, what it means is that this offers a, a great um, opportunity for a bulk open pit mining situation. So you're going to be looking at a, you know, a global grade of one to one and a half grams. But within it, you're sitting in these beautiful, nice high grade zones. Um, the network tells us that a lot of that gold reports to the gravity circuit, so you get a really, really good upfront cash flow with lots of gold coming out early on in the processing um, and all of these other benefits. And we're doing some work on that met now to tweak it and and figure out if we can get some really big cost savings in the processing. Um, and because once you've offered, once the deposit starts to offer up. Um, gravity recoverable gold, uh, you all of a sudden have a few other options available to you on how you optimise uh, that processing. So, um, you know, the, the, the deposit and the project has got multiple options for everything at this stage. So you, you look at these high grade zones, they could be high grade, they've got underground potential at the end of an open pit. Um, the MET looks like it's going to offer us some really good opportunities to optimise it further, plus the location of where the project sits. It's supported well by infrastructure. There's power nearby, water nearby, towns and workforces nearby, low altitude and all those things that we've got going for it. So it's giving our, um, our, our guys uh, lots of work to do to figure out what the best pathway forward is, but we've got all those options at our fingertips, which I don't think a lot of other developers have got those options um, to actually go through. They're forced down a single pathway simply due to the nature of the deposit or their location. I know you said it's an unusual deposit, but would you not have expected to see some copper in there? Uh, yeah, yes, you know, there's a little bit of copper, but look, it's background. You know, I think our highest copper assay in, in the work that we've, the multi-element work we've done is like 200 ppm. Um, we're a fair way west of where the main copper trend is in the region, so probably another 30 to 40 kilometres west of the main Atacama fault system. But the, the formation of the gold deposit here is 
controlled by one of the same big regional structures that come off that fault system. So, you know, basically what these faults are doing is uh, going down into the mantle of the earth, really, and generating a whole bunch of fluids and strange rocks that have got copper and gold in them. And in this case, it's gold only. So given you've got a better understanding, how many holes have you done now? Uh, I think we're up to about 185 we've just started. So Okay. Um, so you're starting to get a, a sense a sense of what's there. It's all fairly shallow as well, I, I, I see. Um, when, so how do you go about optimizing the maiden resource? Because pe- people are going to be looking. That, that's the first you know, stake in the sand. People, it's the first sense of the scale here. And that's what you've got to show people. Yeah, uh, we will put a pitch shell around it. Um, we'll probably use a um, reasonably conservative gold price on that. It hasn't been decided yet. And looking at the MET, which is good, uh, we're not entirely sure what the uh, cutoff rate will be yet. But, you know, the, the higher the recovery, the lower cutoff you can go to. And, um, recover a majority of the metal that's in the deposit. So, um, you know, this this resource really is a stepping stone. It's it's a um, it's going to be released really to map our trajectory forward for a couple of reasons. One, to demonstrate there's a real deposit here, and we can start to look at some economics and scoping, and we'll look, aim to get a scoping study out later in the year. Um, but also, we're going to we're going to submit a whole uh, a whole bunch of information to the Chilean government to start the permitting process. And as part of that, we need to give them some resource numbers. Um, and as soon as we submit those resource numbers, they publish them for public review through their system. Um, so obviously, we've got some disclosure obligations around that. So we just want to get a number out there so we can start that and start compressing out time frame, but it's certainly going to demonstrate the, the scale and style of mineralisation that the deposits got on offer. Well, it, it, it'll show a certain scale. It, it won't be, won't necessarily be big. You want, you want to get that done sooner rather than later? I mean, what, is there a number that you're aiming for? Because if you don't come to market with more than a million ounces, people are like, eh, so what? Yeah, I, look, I don't think, well, I, you know, a million ounces would be great. Um, and I can, you know, obviously there's a clear pathway to a million and beyond with this. And out of that 180 odd holes, I'm not sure what we'll end up including, but it might be around 150 holes. So there's going to be a lot of work to do to go to the next um, stage of resource size. Uh, but I think, you know, more importantly, we just need to demonstrate there's a deposit here. It's recoverable. We can wrap a mine around it very easily and it's in a world-class jurisdiction in a world-class location to develop a low-cost, low-capex, low-opex mine. Okay, so well, remind me of the strategy then, because if it's not going to be a million ounces, you're saying to get this thing moving, we need to put a stake in the sand because we've got to submit some numbers to get the permits uh, through, right? So what what is that number yeah. going to look like? And then what more can we expect to see from you in, in what time frame? Uh, well... Without um, stepping over the line, with our disclosure obligations, I would say, you know, conservatively, we're going to be over a half a million ounces and under a million ounces. So somewhere in the so middle. So seven fifty. But look, <laughs> but as 
Yeah, you know, we might be surprised. We don't know yet. I mean, we're doing the work, obviously, but we don't run the numbers until all the drilling's in. There's a lot of drilling outstanding to get into in, into it yet. So, um, but look, I think I'm on the record as saying we can see a pathway to a, a deposit here that produces 100,000 ounces a year over a 10 year mine life um, out of an open pit. So, you know, we can fairly clearly see that pathway ahead of us. Uh, we just need to get something out so we can get it moving and we can start to talk about the economics publicly then as well. Because at the moment, um, we're not allowed to do that because we don't haven't published a resource. Um, and people like to know that, that sort of information. So that's what we're working on. Okay. So what does it look like post the publication of the main resource? What do you, what do you have to do? What are you going to do? Because you, well, tell us. Yeah, I think what we'll see is we'll see this this resource will have a boundary around it and there's going to be a lot of drilling outside of that boundary that's got some pretty big hits. Um, we'll be able to demonstrate, well, that's all going to get infilled. This is what we've done and this is what you can expect to see going forward. Uh, and also we'll be able to then uh, wrap some scoping numbers around it. We'll have new map work in our hands. Um, so we'll be able to optimise that pathway for the metallurgy, plug that into a scoping study with, you know, what and start to show what sort of scale we're going to need to actually build a mine here uh, and kick off all of our permitting, of course. And during all of this, we'll still be drilling. So we're actually budgeted and scheduled to drill right through to the end of the year this year. Okay. So um, to continue to grow that resource. Right, which which is important. Um, but again, so come back to the question of you know, so remind me what the what the strategy is. Is it like get into production at the earliest opportune moment because you know you've got something now? Because when I speak to geos and CEOs, they know within months what the the sense of what they've got there, right? But they're not allowed to say it. Yeah, and look, we've got a sense of what we've got, but like literally, honestly, we've got no idea of how big this ultimately is going to be. We, we haven't found the ends of it. We haven't found the edges of it. The more we drill away, the more gold we're finding. Uh, we've got drilling on other targets that are close by that are all part of the same system. So we have Tenera East. We've drilled a couple of holes into that already. Had some attractive looking material in it. We haven't got the assays back yet. Uh, Tenera East comes in, then that uh, actually sits in the hanging wall of Tenera and changes everything because all of a sudden there's a change in the stripping ratio because instead of moving waste, you've got an ore body sitting in your hanging wall. Uh, and Drone Hill is probably sitting in the foot wall. We're doing a bit more work on that now. And Drone Hill's had one hole in it, which returned, um, I think it was 15 metres at 1.13, and the GAs think they missed. So there's a lot of upside outside of Tanera to add more ounces as well. And as the year goes on, we're going to be drilling those other targets and, um, and drilling all those other extensions. And look, we're hopeful and optimistic that Tanera joins to all those other targets and we end up just with one big deposit. Right. I, th I, think, I think that's to my point, which is your track, your, you and your team's track record, your mine builders, okay? So you're looking at this uh, as building a mine. Right now, as you, as you see it, do you believe you've got yourself a mine? Can you build a mine around what you know today? I get all the upside stuff. That's brilliant, but... <laughs> yeah, we probably have. There's probably enough in the ground there to build a mine. 
Right. But it's not going to be producing 100,000 ounces a year. Right. Okay. You know, is the upshot of it. And obviously, um, the... So let me just, just, just be, let's be clear about this because I'm, I'm sorry to dig, dig, dig at you here, but I, I just it's the conversations I have off off record with all you boys where you just you know what you've got really early on, and then it takes you two years to be able to tell the market right. So which is which is fine, um, but for people who've built mines before, I, I, I trust them just a little bit more. Um, is you you're not going to be able to do hundred thousand ounces a year based on what you what the drilling tells you today. Got it, but with the the hit rates that you've been having with your drilling, with the numbers you're sort of seeing, if you and if you continue to get more of the same, yeah, I know you've got the extent of the ore body, but is that where your head's at? Get into production sooner rather than later. Yeah, and we'll do it in a logical time frame, and that's why we want to get a number out so that we can really push hard on that permitting process. The permitting is going to be the time constraint on getting a mine into production at Alvaro. Uh, as I said, we believe we have the makings of a mine on our hands. We don't know how big that's going to be yet. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to take um, this initial resource, kick off all of that permitting. So it's usually a three to four year period in, in Chile to do that. But we've already started a lot of that work. So we're already, you know, compressing it. Um, we're going to compress it some more by um, starting some other work to do with that permitting and so that by the time this resource gets to a size where we can you know that we decide okay well that's now what we want to do a feasibility study on which we hopefully will be kick off early next year by the time we finish feasibility we're not too far away from making a decision to mine with the permit in our hands um, rather than get three fees and then someone says oh we better get a permit and then you've added another four years onto your development pathway so um, we're running all these processes in parallel, uh, basically to bring this to production at a scale that makes sense as quickly as possible. Remind me again, how much does your management team put into this company in terms of dollars? Not what percentage, not cheap stock. How many dollars have you put in? Uh, prior to listing, around about two and a half million Aussie dollars. Yeah, so. Uh, we funded it ourselves privately from 2017 to uh, probably about two, uh, end of 2019, a couple of years. And then we did a private raising and a whole bunch of drilling at Tenering. That's when we sort of broke the geological puzzle, if you like. So once we became listed, uh, we pretty well haven't stopped drilling now. We're into resource okay. drilling straight away, more or less. Okay, so I'm going to come back to politics a little bit. I think the market reaction is at the moment for Chilean projects, not just yours, across the board, for people who, are, you know, international or foreign investment into Chile has been a little bit muted. They're a bit nervous. But do you think the stock is going to just move sideways until the, after the elections? Or do you think some of the things that you're getting could actually move this? Oh, look, I know there's a lot of interest in the stock. Just they haven't made the decision to get buying just yet. So, uh, you know, as I said, we can't control when that happens, although I do see that we've had um, some reasonable volumes and upticks in our share price over the last week or so, which is uh, which is a positive. But look, I think you, you're right. You throw the Chilean perceived situation into the mix with, um, you know, a subdued 
gold sector, there's no doubt all the gold stocks have come off pretty heavily the last couple of months. Um, but we're starting to see some interest come back there. Uh, and Tesoro became, lost the expiration, excitement and hype, and everyone went, oh, they've punched out another 100-gram meter intercept, another 100-gram meter intercept. Oh, it's resource definition drilling, and, um, you know, it's just wandered wandered down. So I think once we um, start to attract, uh, you know, more medium-term money back onto the register and, and through the market, because people are seeing that there's a real project here. You know, this is no longer an exploration project, it's a resource definition and development project. Um, then, you know, we'll start to see some value come back into the stock. And look, well, I've been told that, you know, at this level, it's cheap. So, and I think, you know, people are probably starting to buy it now. That's why there's been a bit of an increase in volume with an increase in price last week or so. But, um, you know, I think we spoke before, even in the booming market, I, compared to our Australian peers, um, I think the Pacific Ocean causes a discount <laughs> between the Australian investors, which is a majority of our register, of course, and, and Chile. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't mention tax loss season. It seems to be uh, what's, what's happening at the moment in, in Aus too. Yeah, well, that happens a lot, and I don't think there's many charts that look too dissimilar to ours over the last couple of months. So... Um, you know we're not orphans thank you for listening if you've enjoyed the interview why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel Crux Investor plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn we really love getting your feedback so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon